us. And you'll give us the energy to do the things that you want us to complete. And your plan will be fulfilled in and through us. Thank you for that promise this morning. God, in the next few moments as we open your word, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, encourage us in our faith, help us to look to you and to see once again who you are and how awesome you are in all the things that you accomplish in and through us. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and the hope that we have because of him. May your spirit touch and speak to us this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, you can have a seat. We're so happy that you're here with us this morning. Uh, We are turning the corner uh, today in the greenhouse, I mean in the coal frame. Uh, If you, uh, the last weeks we have been fighting the cold and turning the heat up. And what you're going to notice in the next half hour as you sit here is it's going to get hotter and hotter. And we didn't touch the heat. It's called sun. And uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that God blesses us with. But the next few weeks, uh, if the sun continues to come out, just know this. Uh, it could be 110 in here very quickly. It, it happens in the greenhouse. So, we're, oh yeah, we're not telling you not to come, by the way. Just bring water, okay? <laughs> Shorts, t-shirt, all welcome, okay? We've been going through the uh, Old Testament, and um, we're going to be in Habakkuk this morning, or Habakkuk, depending on who you are, how you say it. Um, And uh, we're going to chat about uh, just this prophet. This is a little different book because this book is really an ongoing conversation between God and a prophet. And most of ours that we've been looking at have been Uh, the prophet's message to a group of people, and they've been talking to a group of people and kind of setting a stage for a group of people. And this is an ongoing dialogue between God and this prophet. It's really a unique look at God speaking to the heart of an individual. Um, About 20 years ago, actually it's about 18 at this point, uh, Pam and I were praying about coming back here to do this plant, to plant Mossbrook Church. And when we were praying through that and talking about coming back and doing that and, and, and starting a church that's mission and heart was for folks who don't go to church. That's really what we wanted to do was a church where everybody felt welcome and look where we are. We're in a coal frame. I mean, what more welcoming place could you be, right? Um, but that was our prayer. We wanted to do something that was for people who didn't necessarily go to church, who had questions about God and wanted to explore those, uh, who may have at some point in their life been disenfranchised with church and, and wanted to kind of look at that again differently. And we knew when we were praying through that, that it was a long-term commitment. And, and I was thinking about that as I was reading this book. Uh, that we, we, we thought, Pam and I kind of had, had said it's a 20-year commitment. And my term's almost up, by the way. I'm at 18. No. Um, it was a 20-year commitment. And there were times in that process, even of coming back, before we came back, of praying and talking to God and, and asking God if this was the thing that we should do, where I would say, God, is this, is this really what you want? God, is this, is this the direction you want me to go? Is this the way you want me to serve? Is this the way you want me to do ministry? And then throughout the past 18 years, there have been times when there's mountain heights where amazing things have happened, and it's been so exciting and so awesome to be part, to watch people come to faith. Uh, this past week, I had the privilege, a guy that I've been doing a study with for the last uh, 15 weeks, 
uh, in the last couple of weeks has come to faith. And it's, it's so exciting to see that and to watch God work and to be part of that. And so there's been these highs, these mountaintop highs where you watch God at work and you see him do his thing the only the way he can do it. But there's also at the same time in those 18 years, there's been some low times where you, you look and you go, God, really, this is what I'm supposed to do? This is what you're asking of me? This is what you want? It just seems to go on and on, God. There's no end to this. I, I don't get it. I don't know what you're trying to do. And, and as, we, as we went from basement to fire hall to, to elementary school to high school, school to to the to a theater to outdoors to we've been everywhere man and when you've done that as a leader and you've made switches and you've done flexible things and you've tried other things and you've given up on some things and you've watched small groups go and they we've had leaders and then we haven't had leaders and it's just and you go really god how long that's how back it that's, that's what's going Here's a prophet. Here's a guy who is sold out to God. He wants to do what God wants. He has a passion to serve God. He has a passion to be honest with what God is asking. And that's what we find. If you've read this book this last week, that's what you find. That's his heart. How God, what? And so in this book, there are three prayers that we're going to talk about this morning that are, are prayers that this, this prophet has that, that he, he kind of goes on a journey with God. And I think if we're honest, I know if I'm honest, as I read and I listened, I, I got some excavator time this week. And so I would put the book on and I would just let it play over and over and over and over again. And as I listened to the book, I just was reminded of my own journey with God, my own life story with God. And that's really what we get a sneak peek into this morning. Is this, this prophet's, it's a little snapshot, it's only a sliver of his life that we're looking at. But it's a snapshot of his relationship with God and, and the questions he asks and the feelings that are his with God. And so this morning, we're just going to take a little bit of time and look at those three prayers. And we're going to talk about the conversation that Habakkuk has with God. Three prayers. First prayer is this. It's found in chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And it says this, the pronouncement of the prophet Habakkuk saw. Long ago, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous, therefore justice comes out perverted." Does it sound like anything you have heard or thought about? It, he could have been writing this this week about us, about the day and age we're living in. But here's his heart. Here's a prophet who goes, God, I've cried out to you. Why are you not listening? Why is this going on? I want what's right. I want to speak what's right. I want a people who love you. I, I want to do, God, why? Why? 
You need to understand the background a little bit, so let, let me give it to you. There's two things, two events are going on simultaneously here. He's a prophet to the, to the nation of Judah. Judah had done fairly well spiritually, actually better than, than the nation of Israel had done. But Judah was at this point at a low spiritually. They, they, had, they had come off following God and, and they had begun to do their own thing and go their own way. That's during the reign of Jehoiakim and he quickly led people away from God. If you're to read 2 Kings, you would find this, that he's listed as an evil king who led people very much astray very quickly. And this is when this prophet is speaking and he's like, look, God, your people are walking away. They know better. We've told them that's not the thing to do. We've told them that's not the direction to go. But they're doing it anyway, God. How long will you put up with that? I could say that as well. You could say that as well about the church. There are so many compromises to the word of God that are happening within the church in North America where if you've paid any attention over the last 10, 20 years, you've watched denomination after denomination who've said, no, the Bible is not literal. No, you can pick and choose what parts are true and what parts are not. You can do it your own way. You don't have to follow every precept that's found in the word of God. You can choose the ones that you like. If, 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 and some of them aren't even literal. Some of them are just a metaphor. It's just an idea. It's a suggestion of the way to live. And you've watched denominations pick and choose and walk away from the truth. These are people of God, people who know the word of God, who have the word of God in their hand, and they've said, nope, we're just going to do it our way. And because of that, you've watched individuals who call themselves Christ followers look at God and say, no, I don't think I believe that anymore. And because of it, you've watched homes disintegrate You've watched divorce rise in the church at the same rate that it's rising in the world around us. You've watched family units fall apart. You've watched addiction just skyrocket. You've watched the moral fabric of a country and a group of people called the church completely disintegrate. That's what's happening around us. That's what was happening in this day. Exact same thing. And the moment we look at God and say, God, we know better than you do, all of a sudden, all of the footings and all of the foundations that we have disappear. Pam and I, have been, we walk regularly, and the last little while, it seems like over and over as we read things, and we don't read a lot and spend a lot of time on the news, but we look at headlines, and one of the things that we say to each other often as we walk is we are living in judges right now where everybody does what is right in their own eyes. And the moral compass is disappearing. And Habakkuk is sitting there and he goes, God, how long? Well, that's one side. That was the church. The flip side, at the same time, the other series of events that are taking place is God is causing the Babylonian Empire to begin to rise up. And this prophet knows that the reason God is doing that is he's going to use them as judgment on the nation of Israel, on Judah and Israel alike. And we don't know exactly what goes on here, the exact time period, whether, whether the Babylonians have already taken them over or he's watching them come. We're not sure exactly. We know that from some of the phrases he uses that he's seeing them coming and maybe they've already arrived. We don't know. 
But two events. Number one, the spirituality, the temperature of Judah has fallen drastically, and he can see it coming apart. And then number two, God's judgment, which he promised, is on its way, or it's there. And so the prophet throws his hands up and says, God, this moral wasteland that I'm in, how long will you leave it? What are you going to do? Have you ever asked that? You ever cried out to God, how long? How long are you going to allow this to happen? Maybe this morning you're looking at our country and you're asking the same thing. Maybe you're doing it in your own personal life. Maybe you're struggling in your personal life with an addiction or a struggle that is pulling you away from your relationship with God and you're throwing your hands up and you're going, God, how long in my life can I handle this? Maybe it's in your marriage or with your kids or at work. God, what do I do? That's where this prophet is. What do I do? Well, God gives him an answer. In verse 5, he says this, look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded, for I am doing something in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. Let those words sink in. Because we sit and look at what's going on and we say, God, it's all over. (laughs) It's falling apart. There's nothing good coming out of this. And God, who is on the throne, he's never left the throne. He's still in control, by the way, just in case you were worried. He's still on the throne. God is saying these same things to us. Wait. Pay attention. Watch. Observe. Be utterly astounded. Don't, don't, be, don't be depressed. Be utterly astounded. <laughs> Because I am doing something great. I am doing something that you will not believe when you hear about it. You're not going to believe how I do this. That's our God. That's the God we serve. And we can sit in fear and wring our hands and say, oh dear, everything's falling apart. What are we going to do? And God's going, hey, you forgot. You forgot. I'm God. I'm in control. Trust me. Remember, look, observe. God, folks, God is always at work. His plan never stops. His intentions and his will is going to be fulfilled always. He's God. It never changes. Be patient. Wait. God has not forgotten us. And that's what he says to the prophet. Sit and observe. Wait. In your own life, folks, be patient. In your personal life, at work, with your family, get before God and cry out to God, but be patient. Observe. Don't take your eyes off God. Watch. Because he's doing something great. He always is. He's God. He's God. Look at his second prayer. Chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, he says it this way. He says, Are you not from eternity, Lord my God? My Holy One, 
You will not die. Lord, you appointed them to execute judgment, my rock. You destined them to punish us. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil, and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent while one who is wicked swallows up one who is more righteous than himself? You see how he starts this? You, are you not from eternity, Lord my God, my Holy One? You will not die. What do you know about God? This is where he starts. This is what I know about you, God. Isn't this who you are? Aren't you the God who created all this, who put all this in motion? Aren't you the God of, of Abraham and Isaac? and Je aren't, Isn't that the God that I serve? And that, that I, Aren't you the God that promised that, that you would make a great nation? Isn't that who I know you are? Start with what you know, people. If you're a Christ follower, you know some things about God. And that's where this prophet starts. He starts with the things that he knows are certain about God. We were just singing a song a few minutes ago, nothing is better than you. As a Christ follower, that's your starting point, right? Have you run into God? Has God changed your heart and your life? Has he done something dramatic in you? Has he, has he lifted you up and changed the direction of your life? If so, go back there, remember that. Nothing is better than you. And that's where this prophet starts. Remember who God is. Now, in order to remember, folks, you got to know him. You can't remember something that hasn't happened. You can't re remember something that you don't know. Some of us are getting a little older, and we're having a hard time to remember things that we thought we knew, right? I mean, have you ever been there where you sat and you looked at somebody who you've spent a fair amount of time with and you can't remember their name? Never has happened to me. I know some of you are a lot older than I am, and so you struggle with that. Okay, that was a lie, and I'm the pastor. That's horrible. I've done it. Things that I know, and I'm like, where did that go? I know it's in there somewhere. Come back. But here's the thing, folks. You can't remember something you don't know. And in our relationship with God, this is true. If you haven't spent any time with God, well, don't plan to remember anything special about him. If you haven't allowed the word of God to seep down into that dry, cracked heart of yours, then don't expect to know anything about the promises of, of the word of God. If you've never seen the character of God in action, then don't expect to remember the character of God. If you've never placed yourself at the feet of Jesus Christ and said, I need you, and he, he lifts you up and he helps you, then don't expect to remember a time when God showed up. But start with what you know. And if you're a Christ follower, you know this, that you were a sinner who could do nothing about your sin. But there's a Savior who loved you enough to pay the complete price for you to be redeemed, to be bought back, to be brought into relationship with Jesus Christ. I know this. I know that I am a member of the family of God. I know that I am his child. I know that I am loved no matter what. I know that at God's table, Tim Knowles has a place to sit. I have, I have a seat. It's mine. In our home growing up, we had a table 
it wasn't that big, but there was a lot of us. There were six kids. And I had a place at the table. Mine was in the middle, in the back, against the wall. I was pinched in. I had two girls on either side, two of my older sisters. They drove me nuts. One would pinch my ear the whole time. We'd be having devotions, and I'd get in trouble because they'd pinch my ear, and I'd yell. Dad would go, you be quiet. And it was Beverly every time. And Beverly's nine years older than I am. And Becky would play with my hair. And they'd slap the back of my chair. But I, had a pl- I was a family member. I had a place at the table. It was a hard place, but I had a place. Actually, it was a great place. They wouldn't let me out. I'd have to crawl under the table. This, we went way farther than I planned. But I had a place at the table. And folks... Remember who you are. You have a place at the table. You've been bought. You've been added into the family. And you belong. Remember. Remember who you are. That's what he says. And by knowing who I am, he says this. He says, look, I know because I know who you are, God, and I know who I am with you. I know that you are going to punish. You're going to make this right. You will iron all this out. And he goes through this. Because you're holy and because you're just and because you're righteous and because you're God, you will fix all of this. And I remember that about you. Folks in our country, you can't mock God. God will make it right. Know that. And if you know God, he's already doing it. He's already in motion. Because that's what I know about God. And because he knows God, because he has lived a life with God, he can say this in chapter 2, verse 1, and this is his response. He says this, I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the lookout tower. I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I should reply about my complaint. He stands before God. Now think of this. Habakkuk here, he's not complaining like Jonah. Jonah was bitter and angry and mad at God. He didn't want God to do anything right. He just, he just was angry about all of it. And Habakkuk is sitting over here saying, God, I'm pouring my heart out to you, and whatever you decide to do, it's okay with me. I'm in. And because of that, he stands before God, and he says, God, I will stand the last place you asked me to be, and I will wait right here, because I know, I know that you're going to do something, and I'm going to wait to see it. Is that you? See, we have, we have a couple responses. We can be like Jonah, and we can get angry and bitter and upset at God and complain and stick our head in the sand and go, no, it's not my way, and I'm mad about it. Or sometimes we can go, God, I don't know what you're doing, and you run like a chicken with your head cut off. You're all over the place doing all kinds of stuff, hoping to make a difference, and nothing happens. Or you can be like the prophet, and you can say, God, the last thing you told me to do was this, and I'm just going to wait patiently. I'm going to sit here. And I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to wait on you, and I'm going to watch your hand move. I love his response. A couple reasons. One, it's a lot less effort. I'm kind of lazy. Well, not really, but I don't like to work on a, on, a, on a, I don't like to work and do things that I don't have to do. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, look, there's nothing I can do. I'm going to wait on you, God. The other is, there's a lot of peace in waiting for God. 
When I'm doing things in my own and I'm running and I'm trying, it, it, it causes a lot of anxiousness in my spirit and in my heart. But when I wait on God, the peace of God sustains me. I say, God, you, you do it. And that's what the prophet says. He's like, I'll wait. I'll wait to see you. I'm not going to get sideways. I'm not going to do something just to be moving. I'm going to wait. I'll be where I'm supposed to be so that when you do what you're going to do, I'll see it happen. Folks, this is a lesson I've learned over the last 18 years at Mossbrook Church. When we started, we had a plan. This is the stuff that was going to happen. This was how it's going to work out. Mike and I would talk, and they were good. We went to uh, Church Planners Boot Camp, and we worked out kind of a plan of how everything was going to happen. And we came back. We're excited. We're going to see this happen. You know what about that plan? That much of that much actually happened. It's not bad. You got to have a plan. You got to be going somewhere. But you know what I learned over the last 18 years? Be where God asked me to be and wait. That's what I've learned. We're getting ready to do a building. You know how long we've been praying and waiting as elders to do this? And God just kept saying, no, wait. Be where you're supposed to be. Care for people. Love people. Wait. And it's amazing the peace that comes when we do that, when we wait. How are you doing in your own life? Are you waiting patiently? Are you allowing God to do the things that he's going to do and you're patiently waiting for him to direct you? Are you running around trying to do it your own way? God responds to Habakkuk. Let me read this for you. He says, for the vision is yet for appointed time. This is verse 3, by the way. It testifies about the end and will not lie. Though it delays, wait for it, since it will certainly come and not be late. That's what God says to us. Look, <laughs> I've got a plan, folks. I've got it worked out. You just wait for me. I'll be there. It won't be late. It will be exactly the way I planned. You just be prepared. You be prepared. Folks, here's some things that I know. God does not lie. He is not slow. His timing is always perfect. He is always on time. His thoughts are not my thoughts, and his ways are not my ways. But if I trust him, I get to see the mighty hand of God at work. This is the promise of God to all of us, not just to this prophet, to you and to me. His third prayer is this. In chapter 3, verse 2, he says this, Lord, I have heard the report about you. Lord, I stand in awe of your deeds. Revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years. And in your wrath, remember mercy. Listen folks, to what God is doing around you. Hear of his mighty works. Spend some time being reminded of his deeds. Listen to the hand of God at work throughout our country, but also the countries of the world. Spend some time listening for stories of God at work because he is 
If we listen to our modern news and the, and the, the, the stuff that is set before us, I'll be careful how I explain it, but the stuff that is sent before us on a regular basis, you would think everything is falling apart. But the honest truth is God's hand is at work. And it's there. You can see it. His deeds are happening. His works are happening. Look for them. See them. I have heard the report about you. I stand in awe at your deeds. God is at work. Go back and remember, for, for, for Habakkuk, he would have looked at the Old Testament and the stories of Noah and Egypt and the promise of, of a promised land, Daniel standing for truth. Jesus, then for us in the New Testament, we would think about this, Jesus coming as, 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 a, as God human form living on earth, a perfect life being put to death, but yet we're going to celebrate his resurrection in a couple of weeks. The fact that God came to earth to make a way for us to have life. His deeds are incredible. If you look at your own life, he, he picked you up out of the sinful life that you were living in. He gave you new life. He, he gave you a new heart, a new attitude. The deeds of God in your own heart and your own life are incredible. How often we forget. When was the last time you thought about the deeds of God in your own heart and your own life? When was the last time that you thought about how you've been restored and made new? As I think about what God has done in my life and the way God has changed me, it changes my outlook on life it changes my outlook on the world that I live in. It changes my outlook on what's going on around me. But if my eyes are internal, right, I get depressed. I get down. I get discouraged. The prophet said it this way in chapter 3, verses 18 to 19. He says, this is the end of the book. Yet I will celebrate in the Lord. Think of this. God, how long? <laughs> the world's falling apart. How long are you going to do this? And now we're at the end and he goes, God, I will celebrate. I will celebrate you, Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. And this is for the choir director and the string. So they turn it into a song is what he says at the end of this. Lord, I'll celebrate and rejoice in who you are. Think of this. How long? God, what are you doing? I'll rejoice and celebrate. Why? Because he had a proper picture of who God is. Christ follower, let me ask you a question. Have you been screaming, God, how long? How long in my personal life? How long with my family? How long at work? How long do I have to put up with this? Or have you been standing and saying, I celebrate. I celebrate in your greatness, God. That's where the prophet ended up. Now, it's not wrong to ask the question, how long? The prophet was completely right in asking the question. It's where his heart ended. And his heart ended, I trust you, God. I trust you, God. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 3 and verse 5 put it this way for us as Christ followers. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, have you come to that point? where you've been justified by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, where he paid for your sin, 
You understood that you were a sinner and you needed something that you couldn't provide on your own. Only Jesus could provide. Therefore, we've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into his disgrace in which we stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. If you read that, there's a whole list of what it produces in us. This hope will not disappoint us because God loves, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given life to us. Folks, if you're a Christ follower... If you've been made new in Jesus Christ, if you have peace through what Jesus Christ did for us, you have obtained access into the very presence of God. And you have life through Jesus Christ. And the afflictions that you face, the difficulties that you face, they produce endurance. They're not what get you down. They're not what ruin you. They're what bring life and hope to you. And why? Because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross for you and for me. Have you been crying out like the prophet? God, how long? How long do I have to put up with this, God? Can you find yourself at the end of where the prophet was? I will celebrate who God is because of the life and the faith that I have because of what Jesus Christ did for me. Oh, I hope you can. I hope as a believer, you experience the peace and the hope of a life lived with Christ. Father, thank you so much for this book. Thank you for the reminder of who we are in Jesus Christ. Even looking at it from an Old Testament perspective, being reminded that you're God, you're in control. You've promised that your plan will be worked out. You've promised that you're on the throne and that you're doing something behind the scenes that we don't understand. God, help us to be able to say with Habakkuk, I celebrate the Lord. I trust him. Grant us the courage to do what you've asked us, to stay where you've asked us to be and to live out our faith each day, trusting Jesus Christ. In your name we pray.